at chapter 1. As we, we have revival meetings coming up here in a few weeks here at our church, and of course at Calvary's next week, and I was thinking about that, and, and so uh, I was going to speak on prayer tonight from Nehemiah chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me turn this mic on. Nehemiah chapter 1. You know, Nehemiah um, is a great man of God. We don't know as much about him as a lot of other uh, great Bible characters. We only have, I think, about 11, 12, 13 years of his life recorded for us, and that's it. But he certainly made a great, great impact in the time that he lived. And um, he was a man that knew how to get a hold of God. And, and through that, God worked in his life. So that's what we're trying to look at tonight. Nehemiah, I'm going to read chapter 1. It says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, that came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 12th, 20th year, as it was in Shushan, the palace, the Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Of course, this is after they had been carried away captivity to Babylon, and... Um, and he was a cupbearer, and, of course, the walls had never been rebuilt. Some people had gone back, but they were still in great straits. There was great uh, difficulty. They had no protection because they had no walls. And uh, so, there, so there was a lot of distress there in that situation. So anyway, in verse 4, it says, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, and said... I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and the terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open. Thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto thy place, that, thou, that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to be assembled together, and thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we receive from it. As we examine this passage of Scripture, Father, we realize that Israel is in great straits and distress, and they're there because of their sin. But, Father, help us also understand, as is mentioned here, when we turn 
when they turn from their sins, you promise to bring them back and restore them. And we thank you for your great and exceeding great and precious promises that you've given to us. So might we find encouragement and strength, and might we seek your help and your glory and honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Nehemiah is certainly a great man of God. His name means comfort of Jehovah, comfort of Jehovah. And if you would study his life, you would come to the conclusion after reading it, reading through this book and studying this book, that that's where he sought his comfort. When he had a problem, he went to God. Uh, and, of course, his great, what he is known for is rebuilding walls. He isn't known for preaching or being some great leader, although he was a leader, but what he's known for is simply building walls. He rebuilt, he oversaw the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, and that's what he's known for. Now, that was a big deal because those walls not only protected the city, but if you would read through the book, and I'm not going to take time to look at all that tonight, but those walls, you know, because there was no walls, the, the, the heathen round about them were coming into the city on the Sabbath day and selling their wares. But when they, we, when they built the walls and they shut the gates, Nehemiah said, you don't bring them in here anymore. And that prevented them from coming. And then he said, if you come again, I'm going to lay hands on you. So, you know, that wall not only protected them, but it, but it restored their law and keeping the law of God. So it restored them to a place of pleasing, being pleasing to God. But think about it. He's known for building a wall. And we, we would think, well, that doesn't sound too important. But whatever you do in your service for the Lord is important. Now, he is, of course, a man of prayer. Our, Dr. R.G. Lee was a, a great preacher of years ago, said, quote, if you trust in administration, you get what administration can do. If you trust in hard work, you get what hard work can do. If you trust in a sparkling personality, you get what a sparkling personality can do. But if you trust in prayer, you get what God can do, unquote. And we see here that this was a priority. First of all, it was a priority that was given, uh, that Nehemiah was given to. In verse 1, he says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in the Shushan, the palace. Now, Chislu is December. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that, of the king, Artaxerxes the king, of course this was a, a Persian king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So, so he has prayed from Chislu to Nisan. That's December to April. December to April. Nisan is April. So this was a priority that Nehemiah gave him to. He was praying to the Lord. You know, his book, this book this, that's about him, it begins in prayer and it ends in prayer. And somebody has said prayer is the rule of the kingdom, and it is God's rule. Uh, somebody said, quote, God will not do some things unless we work, and he will not do some things unless we pray. And so, and, you know, sometimes we have to be willing to put feet to our prayers. But, but Nehemiah prayed about everything. Somebody said Nehemiah prayed about everything and kept his powder dry. 
You know, he did. When the enemy was threatening him, they kept, they kept, uh, they kept praying, but they also kept watch with their swords on. They were ready for battle. So they were prepared. Uh, and I believe that, of course, prayer prepares us for battle. You know, Paul said, you know, he talked about the, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And, and he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That's what makes all that effective. And so uh, he, he was in constant prayer. It was a part of his, it was, it was, it was his life. You know, Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, men ought, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Of course, in the book of Acts, in Acts 6, 4, speaking about the apostles and particularly the pastors there in Jerusalem, that they were to give themselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and said, pray without ceasing. Now, what does that mean, to pray without ceasing? It really means to be in constant communion with the Lord, aware of his presence and aware of our dependence on him. Our dependence on him. I remember we were, in, uh, we were still in Maine, actually, and we would come down to Maryland for a Bible conference, and there was a, there was a speaker there, a preacher, a pastor. He was the pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina at the time, where uh, J. Harold Seitler was pastor for years. And, of course, they had a, they had a, a, a orphanage. And um, my sister-in-law at the time was looking for a, a, a position in some kind of ministry. And so they, they needed some ladies to work in the orphanage. So she considered it and looked into it, and she asked me if I'd talk to him a little bit. So I did. Anyway, you know, this, this church was known for some, what we consider, extraordinary happenings. Um, God really demonstrating his power. And, uh, but anyway, and so I talked to the pastor and, and about some things, and, and, and this is one thing I remember he shared with me. He said, this is the kind of people we have. He said, he said I went to visit an older couple, and they, were, they had a little farm outside of town. And he said, you know, I, I couldn't find the man, so I began walking around the barn, and I heard him before I saw him. And he was out loud talking walking around the barn, talking to the Lord. You know, he, was, he was a man that was constantly, and, you know, no matter what he was doing today, he was talking to the Lord. Now, of course, you don't have to be audibly, I don't believe you have to be audibly talk, thinking about or praying, but, but we, need to be in that, we need to be in that attitude of constant communion with our Lord. And of course, James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And, you know, Jeremiah said, call unto me, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And so, you know, we need to make, if we want God to really work in our lives, we have to make prayer a priority. Nehemiah made prayer a priority. He was a busy man. If you, again, if you read through the book, he, 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 he went out at night to check the wall. He is overseeing the wall. He, he was also the became the governor of the city at the time. So he had a lot of responsibility, but he didn't forget his God. And even in the midst of his work, he would say, "And I made my prayer unto God." Now he that even you know when, when, and and we'll see this in a minute here, but but uh, you know so he was constant in communion with the Lord. 
know, this was not a waste of time. You know, it was four months. Now, this was four months from December to Nissan. This was four months of preparation in the mind and soul of Nehemiah. Four months of praying, fasting, meditating on the word of God, on the promises of God. And, he, and you know, when, when the prayer that's written out here for us that he prayed, he, he tells us that what the Lord said would happen to them and what the soul Lord said he would do for him if they turned back to him. So this was a well thought through and acted upon time of prayer for him. Somebody said, quote, prayer is the anvil which God fashions us into the kind of people he can trust with his power and use for his purposes, unquote. And so the priority given to prayer. Notice also the patience in prayer. Again, we know here from chapter 1, and uh, verse 1 and chapter 2, verse 1, that he spent four months. Now, if you notice in verse 4 of chapter 1, it says, It came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So, for four months, he's mourning over this condition of his brethren at Jerusalem. And the distress they're in, you know, they're, con- they're in constant danger from, from the, the nations around them. Uh, you know, Sanballat, Tobiah, and, 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 and uh, uh, the Arabian, I can't remember his name. But anyway, they were constantly threatening them. So there was this constant danger. And not only that, the shame that came with, look at our walls. Look at the houses we used to live in. And so, so I'm sure, you know, this was a very trying time for him. Uh, but it was four months of him getting ready to do something about it. You know, you might say, well, why did it take so long? You know, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. You know, it took that long for, for uh, uh, the king to come around. Was the king out of town? Uh, was, was, or was Nehemiah waiting upon God's go-ahead? I think God, he was waiting upon God for direction. And, of course, sometimes, you know, we, one of the things we don't like to do, I don't like to do, I don't know about you, is I don't like to wait. It's painful work. In our fast-paced society, we want things done. And, and sometimes, we, you know, Lord, give me patience and give it to me today. You know, our motto is let's roll. Everything in our society is instant. We've got the microwave. We've got, we've got instant potatoes. We've got instant coffee. And we've got, you know, every, lots of things. You can pop in the oven. You have, you, have, uh, uh, you know, they used to, I don't know if they still call them TV dinners. Uh, you get all these things that are instant. But none of them are as good as the real McCoy. But God's servants must be willing to wait on God. And that's hard to do. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So we see the priority that he's given to. We also see he's patient in prayer. We see here our practice. Now, in verse 11... Uh, chapter 1, verse 11, it, it says, 
He said, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, that's, this man is referred to as Artaxerxes the king, because he is the cupbearer. For I was the king's cupbearer. He was the man who was responsible to making sure the wine had not been poisoned, or, or the, the juice had not been poisoned. Any drink he took to him, he had to make sure it had not been poisoned. So he was a very trusted, honorable servant to the king. And he was not to look sad at his presence. And yet this is heavy on his heart. And, and you notice in, ver, in, in uh, chapter 2 then, it says, And it came to pass in the month Nisan, the 20th year of our exercise the king, that wine was before him. I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of her. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sped when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah is really, his, his life really is at stake here because he's sad in the king's presence. That could mean the end of your job, it could mean the end of your life. But the king perceived that there was, and the king perceived that there was something wrong, and he so he asked Nehemiah, "Why? What's your request?" And the Bible says that Nehemiah, so he said, "So I prayed to the God of heaven." Now he's been praying about this for four months. And you know, so. I want to notice several things here from, from, from chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now, one of the things he did, he, he pray, of course, he prayed for four months. He also solicited the help of others who feared the Lord in verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants. So he, he not only prayed himself, he solicited the help of others who feared the Lord. You know, that's, that's sort of like mobilizing the troops. Or calling for reinforcements. You know, if you're in danger, if you're in a battle, let's say you're in, you're in a war, and you're in danger of being overrun, you, you, the first thing you want to do is you want to, you want to call for reinforcements. And really that's also what it says. You know, Galatians 6.2 says, we're to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what he was doing here. He solicited help. And then when the king asked why, it simply says he prayed to the Lord of heaven before he answered. Somebody, somebody called these missile prayers. You know, just real quick like. You know, the, 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 the circumstance that could make it or break it is at hand. And so... Again, Nehemiah was in this communion with the Lord in an attitude of prayer. He was praying, he was praying without ceasing. So he was, you know, in a, and I don't think he worded it when he was standing before the king. I think it was just a thought, a, 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 mental, uh, a mental speaking to himself, you know, without saying anything, Lord, 
give me wisdom what to say. You remember when disciples, Jesus told the disciples that you know, in the time to come, they're, they're going to they're um, arrest you, they're going to persecute you, they're going to bring you before kings, and you're going be, to be brought before kings as a witness for my name's sake, they're gonna, and they're going to persecute you. And he said, when you're brought in before that time, don't meditate beforehand what you will say, for the Lord will give you the words. And I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing, of course. But the Lord will give you an answer in that time. And again, because Nehemiah was in this praying without ceasing mental state, he had communion with God, and he was able to face this stressful condition with a quick prayer to God. I kind of think it's like what Romans 8, 26 and 27 talks about. And, you know, it was just a, a mental thought, that uh, something that went through his mind. He didn't really know what to ask. He wasn't sure, you know, because I don't think at this point he knew exactly what he wanted or what the king would allow. So how was he to pray? Lord, give me wisdom. Romans 8, 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit... Again, if we're in communion with the Spirit, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the word of God. You know, we have, a, we have the Spirit of God, the Comforter. That means he's, he's, our, he's our aid. He's our helper. And he knows our innermost thoughts and desires and he can take those thoughts and desires and and take them to God and intercede on our behalf you know this was a this was a consistent thing in the life of Nehemiah in chapter 4 Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 4 and 5 uh In, in verse uh, 3, it says, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. Of course, this is Sanballat and Tobiah. Uh, the Ammonite was by him. He said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stones. So they're mocking his wall. And Nehemiah says, Hear, O our God, for we are spies, and turn their approach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of, of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So, you know, immediately when he's ridiculed, he takes it to God. He takes it to God. Uh, in chapter 4, verse 9, again, Nevertheless, we made our prayer. Of course, verse 8 says, And conspired all of them together to come to get and fight against Jerusalem to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer under our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So he prayed and he set a watch. You know, that's putting feet to your prayers. Um, so he w- so when again when they came, he see, he set a watch in chapter six, verse nine. Again, they uh, are are bringing accusations and, and threats and so on and and and, and uh, opposition by deceit. And he says in verse nine, chapter six, nine. For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened for the, from the work, that it, not, that it be done, not done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. God? You know, what they're trying to do is divide the brethren. 
They're trying to divide the children of Israel against Nehemiah to undermine the work. You know, that's, a, that's a tactic that, the, that Satan uses, that the world uses. They call it divide and conquer. You know, that's what's happening in our nation. They're trying to divide our nation. They want, you know, the liberals want to divide our nation because if they can divide us, we're going to be easily overthrown. You know, the Satan wants to cause this division in your life. So he can conquer you. Uh, and again, in the last chapter, chapter 13, you know, and again, you see this throughout the book, but this is, this is really how the book ends. In chapter 13, verse 14, he says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. And again in verse 22, and I command the Levites, they should cleanse themselves, and they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. And then in verse 29, Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. And in verse 31, And for the wood offering at times appointed, and for the first fruits, remember me, O my God, for good. You know, Nehemiah had a responsibility, and he's, he's calling on God to remember him and what he has done and that he would, he would fulfill it because it was in obedience to the Lord. And so he would make his cry to the Lord. You know, this was a life of prayer. Prayer should, should not be something that we do, but it should be something that we are. You know, the lot, the, a, to live a life of prayer, we should begin, end, and spend the day with God. You know, when Daniel, when they arrested Daniel, and of course they arrested him because he prayed to God. That's why. But when he was arrested, or when he was confronted, or when the, the decree was made that no man could pray to any God but the king, what did Daniel do? He did what he, the way he lived. That's the way he lived. Evening and morning and noon, he'd go to a certain place and pray before an open window with his face toward Jerusalem. Because that's what God... God said... You remember in Second Chronicles 7, 14, you know, God said to Solomon, if you pray toward this place... You see, the place was important because that was the place they were supposed to worship God. The reason they weren't that place is because they had disobeyed God. And so they had become scattered. And so Daniel still looked toward that place, recognizing that was the place of God's perfect will for them to be, though God had driven them out because of their rebellion. They had defiled that place. But that's how Daniel lived. It was not just something he did three times a day. It was a way of life for him just like eating three times a day. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Spurgeon said, quote, and I like this, that like, quote, like the hunting dog, we are to never lead the trail or lose the scent of God's nearness, unquote. You know, when a dog gets on a trail you're going to have a hard time getting them off. And so, 
the practice of prayer. Then one should notice the purpose seen in his prayer. And in verse 11, again, of chapter 1, he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray, thy, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. You know, he had, in the preceding verses, of course, he had, he had confessed the sins of his fathers. You know, he, he realized and acknowledged that they were where they were and in a the position they were in because uh, that they had disobeyed God. But, he's, but what he's seeking here is he's coming in submission to God, asking that God's will would be done. And again, the purpose of prayer is for God's will to be done. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that Jesus gave us, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What's the next phrase? Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Your prayer, the purpose of prayer is for God's will to be done. To ask God to fulfill his promises to us. You know, the success was not for Nehemiah, but for the Lord. It was to fulfill. If you notice here in... Uh, Verse 9, notice what he's saying. He's praying a promise back to God. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were cast out unto the uttermost part of the earth, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. You know, that was a promise God gave the children of Israel. That when they're cast out, if they would turn back to him, he would bring them back to the place of his choosing. And that's what Nehemiah is seeking. He's seeking that Israel again be in its place with its walls, with, with Jerusalem, with its walls around, protected, and be a, the, the Mount Zion, the city of God that glorifies God. You know, Psalm 62 and uh, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. The psalmist said, Psalm 62, 1 and 2, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my fence. He shall not be greatly removed. Um, that's not the psalm I was looking for. Let's see if I... Psalm 67, I'm sorry. Psalm 67. Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. Now, why do we need, why should we desire God to be merciful to us and to bless us and cause his face or his countenance to, to, to shine on us? Well, verse 2 tells us that thy way may be known upon the earth and thy saving health among all nations. See, Israel does seek God's blessing and his mercy so that they could make his glory known to the nation. That was their purpose. And that's what they failed to do. That's why they're in the condition where Nehemiah is. You know, Isaiah said, Ye are my witnesses to me, saith the Lord. They were to be a witness to the nations. God blessed them so that they could be a witness to the nations that they would, they would testify of his greatness 
to the nations. And so Nehemiah sought the glory of God. It wasn't for himself. It was to bring to pass what glorifies God. Uh, you know, the blessing that we should seek should be for the glory of God and it will be for our benefit and, 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 and a testimony to those around us. And this, this, this trying circumstance that Nehemiah is in, you know, works in his life to bring him into a place that he brings glory to God. You know, we often quote, Romans 8, 28, 29. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to those purpose. That's easy to quote when everything is going good. But it says all things, the good things, the bad things. All things. And then he says that, that he might, I'm trying to remember how verse 29 goes. Verse 29 goes, you know, verse 29 follows verse 28. In case you didn't know that, uh, I know you know that, but you know, but uh, for whom he did foreknow, for whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, God works all things in my life, the good and the bad, to bring about my conformity to him. That word predestinate means appoint beforehand. So God has appointed some things to us beforehand to bring us into conformity to him. You know, there are some things in the Bible I don't understand. For example, Hebrews 5.8 says this, that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. I have a hard time with that because Jesus is God. He's already perfect. But it says that Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And, of course, Philippians 2.7 says he was made like, made himself like unto a man, unto men. And, and I got to think about that today. Think about the fact that the Son of God who is infinitely holy. The presence of sin is detestable to him. And yet he became one like you and I. Now, did you ever go to a place, did you ever go to a place or you were somewhere and you felt filthy just being there? I mean, I've cleaned a few foreclosures. Nick's shaking his head. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know he does. I've cleaned a few few foreclosures. And you feel filthy just walking in and out of those places. Some of them. Because they're so dirty. I have to think that Jesus must have thought, oh, i got to go to that filthy earth those sinners and live among them in obedience to my father so that I can die he became a man the God man so that he could die for man 
He suffered it. There was nothing about it that was attractive to him. Nothing. He was, he's, the holy, he's the holy one. That holy child, Jesus. He suffered it. Dwelt with sinners. You see, and God, you know, through, through that, he learned what it is. So, so when you say, you know, you know, we say that, you know, we know the Bible says that he is in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And he can help with our infirmities. That means he understands. You know what? He really does. He really does. He understands because he experienced it. The God-man dwelt with man. And yet he learned obedience. See, it brought about a desired... It, it, it brought about the glory of God. Now he is glorified. Because he suffered, he is glorified. He's highly exalted. And so we need to seek the will of God in everything and ask for God's will to be done, even in, the, in our trials and our tribulations. And, and, and we're not to ask for self. We need to ask for God's glory to be done. You know, sometimes our, the reason our prayers aren't answered is because we're in it for me. And maybe because our priority is not spiritual, it's material. You know, are we asking for God's will to be done? You know, sometimes people get saved or make professions, and I've seen this many times. You know, I remember a couple that came here for, what, six months, year? And you know what I think they really wanted? They just wanted an escape from their problems. They didn't really want to surrender themselves to the Lord. And really, what they said in the end was, and they went back to their old lifestyle, you know, they, they were going to try it. You don't try God. You surrender to him. But that's what they did. You know, now I'm afraid that's what a lot of people do. They just try God. No, salvation is a surrender. The, the priority is spiritual, not material. See, they wanted out of the crosses that they were suffering in this world, and they wanted help with all that, but they didn't really want to change their hearts and surrender to the Lord. You know, that requires continuance. And we see an example of that here in the life of Nehemiah. You know, throughout the, the, how many, the 13 years of Nehemiah's life, whenever, you know, situation after situation after situation, Nehemiah continued to seek the help of God. He always sought the help of God. In the difficult circumstances, he sought the help of God. He exercised his faith in God and by his prayers to God. You know, you know and this is really true in anything. If you're going to serve the Lord and glorify Him, for example, if you're going to play in the orchestra, does that require a cross before glory? You girls that play violins, I think you do very well. Did you just pick it up one day and join the 
Join the orchestra. No, there's this thing that kids hate called practice, 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 practice. It's boring, it's monotonous, it's tiring, and it's day after day after day after day, and it turns into weeks and it turns into years. But that's why they can play like they do. Because they continued. They continued. We would call that in spiritual realm, faithfulness. Continue. They continued, and of course, you know, probably in their situations they were had some help continuing. But you know, many times that's what we need. We need help continuing. Uh, it's practice. No matter what you do, it takes practice. And so we need to continue. We need to continue in the Lord. In difficult circumstances, continue to seek the help of God. This is where we find help. You know, James 1, 2 to 4 says, Brethren, count it all joy when you five fall into diverse temptation, knowing the trial of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So we have to trust God and continue to seek his face in the trials of life. You know, Nehemiah was bearing a heavy burden but God was working in his life to make Nehemiah the man that pleased him. God is trying to make you into the person that pleases him and me. To conform us to his image. You, know, you can look at it this way also. That means that God cares for you. And so we need to make this matter of prayer a priority in our life. And, you know, particularly when we think about, you know, meetings coming up, we have an opportunity to hear preaching night after night. And we should be seeking God and asking him, Lord, what is in this for me? What is in this for me? Speak to my heart. Grow me. Lord, what's in it for me? Show me. And grow me. Prayer. It should be a way of life for the child of God. It should be a priority. And we should have patience and continuance in it. That God might be glorified in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and word tonight. Thank you for the challenge that it gives us. And we know that prayer is vitally important to our walk with you. I pray you should help us to make it a priority to pray without ceasing, to have always a mind considering and contemplating and communing with you, meditating upon your word, um, that we might see you work, that we might be sensitive and submissive to the leading of the Spirit of God, that we might lead and direct in our lives that you might be glorified and your, and your way may be known to the world around us that knows thee not. So just help us. Give us the grace we need and the strength to be faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.